Boom, shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here with an audio masterclass that is one for the ages. It is with Dan Schwabel, and we're talking about you getting back to human to build a powerful network, team, and community. Now, who's Dan? Well, he's a New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, and keynote speaker. In his new book, Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation, is a great read and critical for entrepreneurs. And we're going to dive into some of these awesome concepts when we get back from thanking our sponsor. Big shout out to ClickFunnels for sponsoring today's episode. Fire Nation, ClickFunnels gives you everything you need to market, sell, and deliver your products online without having to hire or rely on a tech team. Visit eofire.com slash click for your free 14-day trial of ClickFunnels. That's eofire.com slash click. Your future awaits. Dan, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. John, so happy to be here with you, as always. Yeah, I would say the thing that people don't know about me is that ever since I was a little kid, I suffered from anxiety, and I always got in trouble in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, because I didn't know how to control it, I didn't know I had it, and then over the years, I learned how to channel it into building a very passionate, fulfilling career. Wow. Well, dude, I'm excited to chat about your fulfilling career and about some of the things you have going on right now in the world because Fire Nation, spoiler alert, this is an audio masterclass on how you can get back to human to build a powerful network, team, and community. So, Dan, give us a couple teasers. Like, What are we going to be talking about during this audio masterclass? Then we're going to dive into the goodies. We're going to be talking about how to create human connection in an age of technology where people feel more isolated. We're going to talk about work friendships, remote work, basically how to be more social at work and at home and how work impacts life and life impacts work. I mean, Fire Nation, these are all critical things that we as entrepreneurs need to be embracing, need to be learning, and need to be implementing into our business. Because, you know, going over your book, Dan, and just kind of going over some of the bullet points you shot over that we were going to chat about today, I mean, the reality is this. Technology should be a bridge to human connection, not a barrier. So my question for you, from entrepreneur to entrepreneur, how do we actually build this bridge? Yeah, I think about how I work in my team. If I didn't see my business partners or employees for six months, even a year, I would probably be out. I'd probably start another company and be gone, right? And I think even with our clients, we work with, you know, the Fortune 500 companies. And if we didn't have four in-person meetings, two on the East Coast, two in the West Coast of the U.S., every year, they wouldn't renew with us. They wouldn't continue to work with us. Right. It's not like we have to talk with them every day. More and more people working remote uh, and that gives freedom and flexibility. But I think at some point, if you're not if people don't see and hear you, the relationship's not the same. And therefore, people are more likely to quit their job or work with a different company. And so it's so important to have the strong relationships. And those are best developed, at least over the phone. But, you know, better even in person. I like examples. Give me an example of somebody you've seen actually build a barrier up where you feel it really negatively impacts their business, their life. Uh, this is a combination of everything. Like it really upsets that balance. Like how are humans today building up a barrier that you think that we just need to shatter and to make sure that we're not living that life? 
personally. I mean, the reason why part of why I wrote the book is because in the first phase of my career, I was focused on personal branding. That's still probably what I'm known for for certain in certain communities. And I was just building my online brand and connecting with people online virtually through email, maybe a few calls. But it wasn't until later where I met various people like Lewis and Gary Vaynerchuk and people in our network where the real relationships were formed. So I realized that I was becoming more isolated and the relationships I, w- I was developing were uh, more weak ties when I could meet in person or ha- at least have a phone call to d- turn them into strong bonds. And in terms of research, we tap our phones over 2,600 times a day. We look at our phones every 12 minutes. In a business meeting, we text five times. So we can be around so many people, whether you're walking the streets or in a subway here in New York where I'm based or you're in a corporation and yet be around no one at the same time because people are physically there, but not mentally, spiritually, or emotionally. If you're so busy looking, the more time you spend looking at your screen, the less time you're actually looking at a person. And of course, most communication is nonverbal. And so just the simple act of walking over to someone's cubicle or picking up the phone can really be a game changer in the relationship. And I feel, I don't know how, if you feel like this, John, but when I'm actually having a, a conversation with someone, that's where I get my best ideas from. Um, and, and there's been a ton of research on this. I think people should work in isolation for a period of time, but also be collaborative. So working in isolation allows you to focus and concentrate on the work, but then being collaborative and sharing your ideas with your team orchestrates better relationships and new creative ideas that can be innovative and take your company further. I'm going to be honest with you right now, Fire Nation. If I'm ever having a conversation with anybody, whether it be you know somebody who attended one of my talks at a conference or a peer, a friend, a fan, I don't care who it is I'm talking to. If at any point during the conversation, they take out their phone and look at it for any reason, to me, that conversation is over. I am literally mentally checked out of that conversation. I'm looking for a way to walk away because that person just held up their hand. They said, you know what? Whatever potentially just beeped or buzzed on my phone might be more important than this one-on-one conversation we're having right now. So let me just stop everything, shift all of my thinking and thought process away from this one-on-one interaction that we're having into this phone because guess what? You know, uh, th- that's more important. And everybody always kind of comes back when I kind of mention like, oh, how, how important was that on the phone that you just uh, looked at right there? They're like, oh, well, you know, it might have been like my great, great grandmother, you know, is like, is like not feeling well right now. So, you know, but that's an excuse that we use. Like that, that is, that message is not coming through. Like you're checking to see who texted you, who mentioned you on Facebook, like who tagged you on Instagram. That's why you're checking. You're not fooling anybody and you are ruining scenarios. Because guess what? Nine times out of 10, I'm not really going to call you out. I'm just going to be like, all right, Dan. Yeah. Okay. Good chat. Hey, by the way, I got to go. Bye. And I'm out. And to me, that, you know, that interaction is going to go as an overall negative interaction for all those obvious reasons I just mentioned. So just want to go on a little bit of a rant there. Dan, you want to add anything? Yeah. If you, if you actually talk about it out loud, it sounds insane, right? Insane. Like you're, you're with a person or multiple people in person and you're more concerned about the likes and comments you get from a picture you took a minute ago or even with them. So you're not really present with these people in front of you and it takes the whole point out of it. Like technology can be a, a bridge by getting everyone to the same place at the same time, right? Syncing up calendars, maybe using a chat bot, uh, using all these, you know, scheduling like this podcast, right? But when you're, in, you know, being interviewed on the podcast or when you're in a business meeting or a networking event or with a friend, 
actually be there. And it sounds obvious, but people don't do it. They default to looking at the device. Every time, all the time. So let me ask you one thing, Dan, because this is pretty critical for me is going back to the I love examples. Fire Nation loves examples. Give me an example of a time that you actually built a bridge with an influencer. Like, I'd love to hear how you built a bridge with a Seth Godin or a Lewis House, you know, or whoever it might be. This can be, you know, your story of, of your influencer connector. But Fire Nation loves these examples because, hey, when we talk about real situations in life and how somebody like you were able to build bridges with influencers and authority people, like that can really be helpful. Give me one of those. Great question. So I've interviewed over 2,000 people in my career, some of the more successful people in the world. And in the early interviews, it was all phone calls. And now my big challenge for this year as part of my Back to Human project is to do more video interviews, actually, you know, meet people in person. So last year was big. So it was my third interview with Richard Branson and was in person live from San Francisco, flew down, wow. interview him. And it was a totally different experience than just talking to him on the phone because I got to read him and how he was feeling about when responding to certain questions so I could adapt future questions and make it more um, enjoyable for both of us. Uh, and I just did uh, Chris Anderson, the lead curator of TED, the, the, the TED uh, conferences. And my first interview with him was two years ago on the phone and now this in person, his actual office was such a cool experience. I felt like I was just talking to a friend, right? And so I think uh, it's easier to interview people that you've interviewed before for sure, but I think that there's a different intimacy when you're actually with them and you can play off of how they respond in a way you can't really on the phone. On the phone, it's, you know, I have certain questions and I recite the questions, whereas in person, you ask a question, they give an answer, and that leads into the next question. And it, it becomes more of a discussion rather than just a Q&A. And I think that's that's really powerful. And, and I think it's good to develop these skills. Like I'm putting pressure on myself as an introvert to get out there and meet some of the more successful people. Some I've interviewed before, some I haven't. Um, and it, it's a good growth for me. And the interviews are better as a result. Do you think there are more introverts or extroverts in our world, Dan? I would say introverts, especially in the writing world, right? Because typically people who are more inclined to, uh, more inclined to sit back and, and use their computer regularly to type up articles or you know, put together content are introverts. Now, I don't want to like stereotype anyone, but it's just, I think about my friends, right? Do you know Lewis Howes is an introvert? Totally, dude. I'm telling you, I don't even think it's close. I do not think it's even close. I think almost everybody, and by that I mean 80 to 90% of people will self proclaim that they are an introvert. They will self-diagnose them as at least, you know, having strong introvert tendencies. It is period. It's across the board. You know, it's interesting though. It's because people get tricked into thinking I'm an extrovert and all these other individuals that we know are extroverts because the content we create leads to opportunities when we're speaking publicly. So we're viewed as an extrovert because we're confident on stage. That's it? No, everyone thinks I'm an extrovert. and the, But because... They don't think about me as an author. They think about the public persona and they think that if you have a public persona, you're, you're more likely to be an extrovert when in reality, the reason why you have the public persona is because you're the introvert creating the content that gets spread and people hire you. Like I'll tell you right now, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's an extrovert. Myself, I'm an extrovert. You start going out the list a little bit more. Like you talk about the Tim Ferriss, the Lewis Howes, the Amy Porterfield, the Pat Flynn, 
every one of those people I just named is going to absolutely say, I am an introvert first, no doubt. So Fire Nation, if that is you, just recognize you are in the vast majority. So don't use that as an excuse to hold you back. Don't use that as a reason why you're not getting out on stages or interviewing people or having these conversations. And Dan, you did not quite answer my question. So I'm going to actually pull us back there. I mean, when I asked you the question about a time that you built a bridge with an influencer, you kind of talked a lot about how meeting influencers in person was a really huge way to connect with them, which I totally agree is a great point. But how do you even get to the place where you can have a sit down with a Richard Branson or, you know, the person from TED? I mean, how did you get to that point? Tell me a story of how you initiated a bridge with somebody of influencer status to get to the point where, you know, maybe months, years down the road, you're having a sit down conversation with them. Yeah, some of these take years, right? As I've interviewed, I mean, Tony Robbins was a six-year journey, and all of it starts with an email, me not being afraid to reach out to a publicist, whether it's a book publicist or their personal publicist. or I always try and go to the person that's closest to them that I know I could reach, and then it's just constantly following up. And so that all happens through email. And then once the interview is approved, then that's either a phone call or an in-person uh, conversation. And so all, all of these, and, and actually as an introvert, it connect, connects to what we just said. As an introvert, I was more inclined to look at the internet as like having the first digital handshake, right? It was easier for me to reach out digitally first and now leveraging those digital connections to real life human interactions second. So I think that if, if you're an introvert listening to this now, don't be afraid to use the tools for the initial interaction to find the people you want to meet and reach out, but then try your best to leverage those introductions and connections to at least have a phone call or an in-person meeting. Um, and so I knew, I knew early on back in the day that it would be hard for me to just pick up the phone and call and, and like beg for an interview. But you know, the rejection wasn't as bad when it's through email and and then over time, after the more and more people I interviewed, the more confident I became and the more psychologically I felt like if they say no, who cares? I've already interviewed all these people. I mean, that's the point I really hoped you were going to make right there is that rejection fire nation is no big deal. John, you'll love this. So this is how I summarize what both of us do. It's the subtle art of patience with persistence. So I am extremely aggressive. I go after what I want. But at the same time, I'm willing to wait as long as possible to get that opportunity and, and accept the outcome either way if it happens or not. The subtle art of patience and persistence. Now, Fire Nation, those are killer words to live by. But I also want you to realize that every rejection that you have can be looked at as a win because that's going to get you one step closer to that yes because we all need to go through a pound of rejection before we get to that one ounce of acceptance and of, of a yes. So you need to make sure you're just getting out there. You're asking those questions. You're hitting the pavement. You're hitting the emails. You're hitting the social media. You're trying the different angles and you're being patient, very subtle art. The other thing, John, is for me, I'm still always getting rejected. Not all the time, but you know, I think about even this last book, every publisher said no except for one. And my last book, the last two books were bestsellers. Right. Every book has been rejected by every publisher besides one. Even getting clients is a lot of rejection. I'm constantly getting rejected. Right. So it's part of the process. You can't avoid it. You can't have the success without the failure. Um, you can't have the wins without the mistakes. And so as once you accept that failure is part of the process, once 
you're willing to continue on and and accept outcomes, you'll be just much happier and more successful as a result because they're unavoidable. Fire Nation, I want you to really make sure you're absorbing this. If you are not getting rejection pretty often, then you need to check back and say, man, I'm just not being audacious enough. My goals aren't big enough. Like if I go multiple days in a row without some form of legitimate rejection, that means I'm failing at pushing myself, at pushing the envelope as an entrepreneur, period, end of story. Now, Dan, I want to take this in a little bit of a different direction because so many people, and this is entrepreneur specifically, they hold on to their knowledge selfishly out of fear. They're like, well, if I tell somebody this, then they're just going to copy and then it's going to be out and then my knowledge isn't going to be safe anymore. And, and why would anybody pay for anything if other people know how to do it? But you come from a completely different angle of we need to share what we know as entrepreneurs. We, we know things. We have special gifts and knowledge. We need to share that. So Dan, tell me, why should we not be selfish with our knowledge and why should we share what we know? Yeah, it almost builds the case for Podcasters Paradise and a lot of your work, right? It's like we get better together. That's why community is so important and we have a lack of community and culture right now. And so anyone who, like you, is is putting together a community and leading that community and supporting them um, is a leader. And think about how much free content you've given out in your career. I think about thousands and thousands of articles and videos and everything. And so back in the day, a, a leader would have influence and power if they hoarded information, if they didn't share it. And now the people who give it all away or even some at a, a low cost, uh, get all the power and influence because the average relevancy of a learned skill is only five years. So in order to keep up with the speed of business and the economy, we have to rely on each other, learn from each other, and help each other's learning and development so we can stay relevant and be more successful as a result. And the art of shared learning is anytime you read an article or you learn a new skill and you know that that would benefit somebody on your team or just someone you're maybe even friends with, automatically share it. Don't even think about it. And then the more you do that, the more you get in the habit of sharing. And then the more value you give to other people so that they want to return the favor. And if you think about the way the world works now, it's less about you know Google searches. It's more about information coming to you through filters. And those filters are typically your friends and contacts. So become a filter for your team and make sure that you're all learning together because that will help close the, the skills gaps within your company and your team and allow everyone to rise up together because everyone's in teams now. Even if you're a freelancer, you're, you know, more and more freelancers are partnering with other freelancers to take on bigger projects. So we need each other in order to not even just survive, but to learn, educate and get better. The average relevancy of a known skill is five years. Think about that, Fire Nation. I'm telling you right now, that is dropping precipitously. By the time this interview goes live, it's probably going to be four years. And before you know it, it's going to be five months. So you trying to hoard knowledge, it's never going to work. It would not have worked back in 2013 when I launched Podcasters Paradise. And it's definitely not working in 2018, 2019. And as years keep ticking by, less and less and less is that going to work until it's really not going to work at all. I mean, you need to take that knowledge you know and share it with the world. I mean, I look back with Podcasters Paradise, the example that you said, Dan, I've now generated over $5 million in revenue from building that community, teaching other people how to launch 
create, grow, and monetize their podcast. And guess what? My podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, it's been thriving for over 2,000 episodes. We've made well over a million dollars in sponsorship revenue alone, but we haven't made over $5 million, which we made the podcasters paradise. And added to that, I really get to sit back and say, look at all these amazing podcasts and shows and value that's being shared around the world now because I was able to help guide and train and push people in the right direction when it comes to sharing their voice, their message, their mission with the world. I mean, which side of the coin do you want to live in, Fire Nation? Abundant or scarcity? And I think if you're listening to the show, you know which side Dan's on. You know what side I'm on. We're abundant people and that's the world to live in. Now, we as human beings and most people listening right now, Dan, spend a lot of time at work, at a job. I mean, that's one thing that we do, especially during the week. A lot of people are like, I'm just going to go to work, put my head down and just pound out work and then leave. But you like to make a case for making friends at work. Um, so, Talk about that because a lot of people look at it as a potential waste of time. I don't think it's a waste of time because we spend a third of our lives working. And so we spend more time in many cases with our coworkers and clients than actually our friends and family. And the average work week for a full-time salaried employee in the United States is 47 hours a week. In the UK, it's like 50 hours. And you're in other parts of Europe, it's a little bit less, like France and Germany, it's around 28 to 35. And so because we're spending a lot of time at work and because not having your phone is the new vacation, we're always responding to email and text outside the office, on weekends, on vacation. Um, the importance of work relationships has never been more important, yet we did a, I did a study for the book with Virgin Pulse, one of the 400 Virgin brands under Richard Branson. We interviewed over 2,000 people in 10 countries and found that 7% of the global workforce has zero friends at work and half have five or fewer. And I think it's really important to have work friendships because of this. Work is the work you do and who you do it with. Now, we want to have purpose in our work and meeting and enjoy. We want it to play to our strengths and passions and interests for sure. But if we... If we have work that we love and we're excelling in that work, but we're in a toxic environment with a manager that doesn't like us or, you know, is not going to ever promote us or support our needs, then we're going to leave anyways, right? So work can be bearable even if you're not doing work you love as long as you have a big support system and you're in a healthy work environment with a supportive, trustworthy manager. And so the relationships you have with your team and your manager are so important because that impacts not just work, but your whole life. Because if, for instance, a coworker takes credit for your work or you get into an argument with your leader because you think you should be paid more and they don't think you should, that's going to come home and affect your personal life in the same way that, you know, getting into an argument with your spouse or your child or just you know having a mental health issue, that's gonna make its way into work. So everything is connected, especially with technology. And so yet, I think technology has tricked us into thinking we have an abundance of real friends, like Facebook friends, when there was a study that found that for someone who has an average of 150 Facebook friends, they can only rely on four at a time of an emotional crisis. So if you're in the hospital because you just got injured for some reason, only four people will call you or visit you in the hospital out of the 150. So I think that we need to re rethink friendship because after the age of 25, you start losing friends. This is especially an issue for men um, because men are less likely to have deeper relationships. They're less vulnerable and emotional. 
um, based on the research. And so I think it's so important to realize that this is happening, realize that, you know, as you get older, you might have fewer friends and then start to think about, you know, how you can build stronger relationships with your coworkers. And the best way to do that is to talk about personal things, like take them out for lunch or coffee and, you know, talk about things that aren't related to work. You can't really, you can't, it's very hard to build a friendship if all you're doing is talking about work. So talking about sports, talking about hobbies and interests and family, I think can really, um, help you. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you shouldn't, you know, that makes work complicated. I mean, work is already complicated. (laughs) And in order to make work more bearable, having friends is important because it's much easier to quit a job when you only have a bunch of acquaintances that you don't really care about or have a deep relationship with than actual friends. And there was actually a study by Gallup a few years, several years ago called Vital Friends. So if you have friends, especially best friends at work, you're more productive, happy, and fulfilled. Fire Nation, this is something to definitely think about. And I can actually trace this type of conversation back to my junior year in high school and kind of out of the blue because my dad didn't really talk to me much about this stuff. But he looked at me and he said, John, who are your top five friends right now? And name them in order. And it kind of took me aback because it was kind of a weird question coming from him. And I thought about it and I realized, man, I don't really have a great answer for him right now. And like, what does that say about me right now at this stage in my life? And that kind of always was in the back of my mind as I kind of like finished high school, went into college and then into the military and then into the other careers that I had. And it's something to be thinking about, Fire Nation. I mean, we are humans. We are built on connection. You, you know, I end every episode with you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So who are these people you're spending time with? Are they the best to have your average be increased to the level that you know you want and you need? Now, look at what Dan has dropped so far value bomb-wise throughout this episode. We have some more value bombs coming when we get back from thanking our sponsor. When it comes to customer service, no one wants to wait on hold or try multiple phone numbers before actually talking to a real human. To prove it, did you know that 90% of consumers prefer messaging and that 99% of text messages get opened? That's huge. Knowing these stats, why not offer your customers a quick and easy way to get in touch with you that's also flexible and convenient for you? Podium helps businesses interact with customers from a centralized platform so your customers can reach out via text message, web chat, or even Facebook Messenger, and all you have to do is monitor your dashboard to receive and manage responses. Need to schedule an appointment or jump on a sales call? Podium makes it as easy as sending a quick text message. Conversations to start with convenience end in more sales. Visit podium.com slash fire to get 10% off your monthly subscription. Meet your customers where their screens are. Visit podium.com slash fire to get started and save 10%. So Dan, we're back and I just want to keep going because you have some great momentum. And one thing that I think a lot of people struggle with here is their own fulfillment in life. You know, a lot of people are out there trying to save the world and help everybody else and make everybody, you know, great in great shape and great health or help everybody's business thrive, but their own life is kind of in tatters and it's not a reflection of what they're trying to show to the world. So talk about the reason why we need to focus on our own fulfillment first before we help others find their own. 
Yeah, I make the case in chapter one, focus on fulfillment, that you need to focus on your own fulfillment before you can help others. Because if you're happy and fulfilled, you know where you want to go, you have a, a purpose, you're excited to go to work every day, that positivity, that confidence will be reflected in your team and how they feel about work as well. You'll rub off on them and you'll inspire them to be able to figure their own stuff out, right? So focus on your own fulfillment so that you can be a role model, inspire those around you, regardless of uh, what type of situation you're in, right? Whether you're leading a small team, whether you're part of a big corporation, whether you're freelancing and you, you're working you know, in different locations, it's figure yourself out. And this goes with any relationship too, whether you're dating someone, you're married, like once you are confident, once you know who you are, once you're, once you're happy and fulfilled, they will benefit. And what, what happens a lot of the time is you'll see on Instagram and you'll see, you know, other people and what they're doing and accomplishing. And you're like, Oh, I want to do that. And the more you do that, the more you move away from who you actually are. And so I think that you need to lean into who you are instead of living up to the expectations of others, because while other people might feel disappointed because you're not living up to their expectations, your happiness and fulfillment will rub off on them and they will actually benefit more than they ever know. And in the workplace, once you know your mission, you know where you're going, you have a set of values, then you know who to recruit as well because you want to recruit people who have the same values of you as you so you can form a deep foundation of a, of a relationship. But who look, look different than you and come from different backgrounds because then they can challenge your beliefs and opinions, which makes you better and smarter and more creative. What's one thing that we can do today to take a step towards our own fulfillment as entrepreneurs? I think it's about self-reflection. I mean, think about your life and, and the times where you got excited after performing an activity. Ask the people who are close to you, you know, what they think you excel in, what, you know, what leadership attributes you have, right? So, you know, getting feedback can't, is not always bad. I think it's good because you might not realize certain things. And then I think self-reflection is important, right? Some people meditate, some people uh, take a vacation, right? I think it's important, you know, people are taking fewer vacations now than they did 10 years ago. And so I think taking time away from what you do can help you with the reflection, help you understand who you are, uh, what you want to do and what your real strengths are. And you don't want to lie to yourself, you know, be true to who you are, be, you know, be authentic to who you are. Because once you do that, then it's so much, like, it's so much easier for John and I to help people because we know who we are. We, we have, you know, the track record, we know our strengths, we know what's possible. You only know what's possible if you try a lot of things. Like, I'm so happy. I don't know if you, if this was you, John, but you know, I've been working since I was 13. Like I, I, tested out so many different careers, so many different businesses. So at this point in my life, like I know who I am and what I'm capable of and the direction I want to go in. And because of that, it's easier to sell and get other people on board for what I want to do. Fire Nation, do you have a morning routine? Does that morning routine include self-reflection? You know, my self-reflection during my morning routine is my journaling. I think it's a great way to self-reflect. It's why I'm a big fan of it. So that needs to be part of your day-to-day to take the step towards that fulfillment. Now, we hear about habits all the time, Dan. I mean, there's been endless books written about it, but just give us a clear-cut, specific, step-by-step process of how to create a new habit. You want to start small, something that's more manageable. So instead of trying to create this 
crazy habit where where you have like a two hour morning routine, start with one aspect of that routine. So it could be meditating for five minutes. It could be, you know, cooking a healthy breakfast at eight in the morning, something very specific and measurable. Uh, because then you can add new elements to that habit to, you know, and grow and grow and grow that habit. Like for me, it's, you know, wake up every morning at seven in the morning and run for 45 minutes. Once I'm done with that, make breakfast. And so the more you do things, the more you add to, you know, one, one small habit to one small habit to one small habit, the more it's manageable, the more you can kind of scale and, and, and add more to the mix so you can accomplish more and become very efficient. So I think efficiency is very important. Part of my morning habit is also reading an hour uh, every morning. And so throughout the rest of the day, every meeting, every conference call, everything that I do, I am extremely relevant because I can say, oh, you know, this morning I read this article that says that Amazon just bought up you know, a country like, <laughs> I'm just joking, but, uh, you know, the fact, the fact that, and you know, I might not be joking in 10 right, years. Right. True. But, um, but yeah, I think that the, the morning routine is really important. And the best way to have a morning routine that no, people don't talk about as much is the night before set the goals the night before. So when you wake up, you're not scrambling. I call it win tomorrow today, fire nation every day. When you end the freedom journal, it's win tomorrow today. There's a whole section about you doing just that because if you try to wake up in the morning when you're tired and groggy and your brain's like, Bleh, you're not going to win that day. But if you can just get going with a process you already set up, you're going to win that morning routine. You're going to win the day period. So we talked about that new habit and getting a new habit into our world. How do we remove a bad habit? Like I still bite my fingernails. What's going on? Well, the first part, of anything is awareness real like you've realized that that's an issue and then the next thing that I would do is and next time you're doing it have almost like a punishment for when you do it like <laughs> if you bite your nails if you bite your nails you like you can't go on vacation for an extra month or something right wow, so set some brutal. sort of penalty <laughs> yeah set some sort of penalty like you can't have rum in, in Puerto Rico for <laughs> for two months or something right and no and so Don coup. I know. I mean, it's very good there. But yeah, I think I think it's setting penalties and incentives for doing things or not doing things, right? Like anything else where humans, I mean, all animals are, are, are like this. You know, if you know you're going to be in danger, if you perform some act, you just don't do it, right? If you know, if you know like jumping off a, a roof is going to kill you, you're not going to do it unless you're insane. So I think, I think that I think setting, setting incentives and, and consequences for your actions and being accountable for your actions is very important, right? I think, you know, as much as people can give you advice, at the end of the day, success lies in your hands. You need to be accountable for your behavior and take charge of your life because it's yours and not other people's. Dan, so many people, especially in today's age of Instagram and Facebook, they seem to really be leaning away from who they are. They try to you know, create a different persona of themselves and their lives online. And you're not a believer in that. You believe that we need to lean into who we are at the core of our own humanity. Talk about that. I mean, it's a great topic. I think that the more we try and compare ourselves to others and get FOMO, the more it leads us in the wrong direction and the more we escape from who we actually are when our greatest differentiator, what makes us truly human and unique is our DNA, is 
how we act and what makes us, you know, who we are is our actions, our beliefs, what we actually genuinely want. And so it's actually, it's interesting in terms of relationships, the more you are who you are, the more authentic that is. And while people might wish you didn't act, you know, had a cleaner apartment or something like that, you know, I think at the end of the day, people will respect you more. And you'll be able to connect on a personal level. If you're so busy comparing your situation to others, it can be very toxic. And, you know, living up to other standards or trying to be like other people, you know, makes you misguided and gets you on the wrong path when the right path is right in front of you. And if you can double down on who you are, your strengths, your passions and everything, then you'll be more fulfilled and everyone around you will win as a result. Because they'll see you as a role model. They'll see you as somebody who was authentic and did, you know, what they wanted to do. And that it'll make them realize that they can do the same. So, Dan, you've written a book, Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation. Give us, Fire Nation, just an overall takeaway from the chat that we've had today as the entire flow that we've gone through. And then lead that into why you wrote this book and why Fire Nation should read it. Technology has created the illusion of connection when in reality our overuse and misuse of it has made us feel more isolated and lonely. So use technology as a bridge to more human interaction, not a barrier. I wrote the book because I was feeling lonely and isolated in the early phase of my career and realized that human connection is what matters. When you're 90 years old, you don't wish you had an extra million dollars. You you know, are really care about the friends you have or miss. And so if you want to live a happy, fulfilling life where work and life is, is happening in harmony for you, then focus on the relationships because at the end of the day, that's what actually matters and can make a real difference in your life as well as others. I heard a rumor that you're currently battling Seth Godin for one of the top spots in Amazon right now. Can you talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, Michelle Obama, Seth and I, and I interviewed Seth actually my podcast with him just went live. And he said at the beginning when I told him, he's like, no competition for me. (laughs) (laughs) I think the number one rule for authors should be don't coincide a business book launch with Seth Godin. It's all good though. I mean, I knew this was happening for a year and he's great. And I think everyone can win together and be supportive of each other. Oh, you're so cute. Well, Dan, give us one final takeaway. You just want to make sure the Fire Nation really gets from our entire chat today. Yeah, realizing that half of our day is being used on technology and the other half isn't is really important because, you know, if we can spend more time building real genuine connections and leveraging technology the right way, they can work together to improve our lives and make us more productive and successful as a result. And where do you want Fire Nation to go to pick up this book? Bookstores anywhere or Amazon. Sweet. Well, Fire Nation, back to human. Make it happen because you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And hello, you've been hanging out with DS and JLD today. So keep up the heat. Dan actually did say before we started that I have the best voice in podcasting. So you're in the right place, Fire Nation. And make sure to head over to eofire.com. Type Dan, D-A-N, in the search bar. And not only this episode but his other episode on Entrepreneurs on Fire, which was years ago, will pop up and you'll hear a very different JLD and I'm sure a slightly different Dan as well and it can be an enjoyable 
listen for sure. But Dan, I want to say thank you for sharing your truth with Fire Nation today. For that, brother, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Hey, Fire Nation, hope you enjoyed the contents today from Dan, just dropping value bombs left and right. And if you're ready to master productivity, discipline, and focus in just 100 days, well, my masterpiece, The Mastery Journal, is available, and you'll have the exact system to do just that. Visit themasteryjournal.com, use promo code PODCAST for a nice little discount, and I'll catch you there, Fire Nation, or I'll catch you on the flip side. Fire Nation, it's time to create financial and lifestyle freedom. So take action today and sign up for your free 14-day trial of ClickFunnels. As a reminder, ClickFunnels gives you everything you need to market, sell, and deliver your products online without having to hire or rely on a tech team. Visit eofire.com slash click. That's eofire.com slash click. Your future awaits.